Welcome to Talking About You with Estra's radio podcast from Seattle, Washington, USA, a car accident talk show where auto insurance, employer ERISA, social security disability insurance, surveillance, and much, much more is talked about. There are over 400 podcasts ready for your listening pleasure and information. Every individual deserves the insurance care, settlements, and benefits promised by their insurance, whether public or private. Estra is a car accident advocate who writes, talks, develops videos, and personal brand tools to help protect your rights and privileges. Tired of getting the short end of the stick after a collision? Join me, Estra, by supporting insurance civil rights legislation to get those doing the wrong things to start doing them right. Use the hashtag TreatMeRight. Let's get started with today's show. Listeners, today we're on part four of the series, State Constitution Basics for Everyday People. The previous parts are available to hear on Block Talk Radio and iTunes under Talking About You with Estra, along with my sites of estrascarwreckhelp.com, that's one word, and estraseattle.com. Sections on Part 4 will include Section 11, which is Religious Freedom, Section 12, which is Privileges and Immunities Prohibited, Section 13 is Habeas Corpus, Section 14 is excessive bills, fines, and punishment. Section 15 is the effects of conviction. And Section 16 is eminent domain. And we'll get to that last one or carry it over uh, for next week. Again, thanks for your patience on program volumes. I'm still having technical difficulties, but I hope to soon get them fixed. Let's light up the phone lines now with your questions and comments on today's show. Dial 718-766-4385. I'm here and I care about your car accident concerns. 718-766-4385. Before I get to the show today, I'd like to say a little about Memorial Day this Monday. Memorial Day weekend memories invoke such emotion, especially when thinking about those we've lost and loved. Spending time at the cemetery longing for that one gentle touch one more time for someone so dearly missed brings back memories of joy and sadness. One can always hold on to love. It's a great gift that cannot be taken away. There is always a place in one's heart for love of someone held close. The millions of lives lost going to war is the ultimate sacrifice. Has it been worth it for those giving up their lives? Have we given those who return home the respect and honor deserved? Is the average person aware of what each of these souls have meant to us by their sacrifice? Visit a cemetery this weekend just to see those who made this sacrifice and say thank you. Show appreciation for the lives cut short for the citizens of the United States of America. Say thank you for all the things in their lives they may have missed, their children growing up, time with their wives, or just learning whom they would have become. 
This is a Memorial Day gift given from the heart. A visit to say thank you to someone who you did not know and did not know you, but gave you all they had, their life for your protection. For the living who made it home, give them the respect promised. It's time for leaders of the USA to stop disrespecting those who kept our country safe. Stop being greedy and say thank you. Thoughts of remembering veterans and those grieving loved ones. Best holiday wishes, Estra. Listeners, let's start with Section 11 of the Washington State Constitution. Quote, Absolute freedom of conscience is all matters of religious sentiment, belief, and worship shall be guaranteed to every individual, and no one shall be molested or disturbed in person or property on account of religion. But the liberty of the conscience hereby secured shall not be so consumed as to excuse acts of licitousness or justify practices inconsistent with the peace and safety of the state. No public money or property shall be appropriated for or applied to any religious worship, exercise or instruction, or the support of any religious establishment, provided, however, that this article shall not be so construed as to forbid the employment by the state of a chaplain for such of a state custodial, correctional, or mental institution, or by counties or public hospital districts, hospitals, health care facilities, or hospice, as in the discretion of legislature may seem justified. No religious qualification shall be required for any public office or employment, nor shall any person be incompetent as a witness or juror in consequence of his opinion on matters of religion, nor be questioned in any court of justice touching his religious belief to affect the weight of his testimony. From my review, it seems like there was a lot more information out there on religious freedoms and people's concerns. But it basically, if you want to break it out, it says that any religion that you practice, you are free to do so in the United States. It cannot be used against you as far as employment, the way that you worship, or somebody else's uh, dislike about how you believe. Therefore, that is a freedom that most of us don't realize unless we go to another country, and we're not free to worship as we please. That's a very important constitutional right that you have. So be aware of whether you're Muslim, which it seems like is a problem for some people in our country. You still have the right to worship as you wish. And as someone else mentioned, that Muslims have been here in the United States from the very beginning. So let's not pick on anyone because anytime we separate out one group of people, it will eventually get back to us all. And that is so, so true. It is so important that we stick together and are not pulled apart. It makes such a big difference. So when somebody says something about someone else's religion, let them know we all have the right to practice what we believe. 
And also speaking on religious freedom, I'm not sure if you're aware, but uh, President Trump actually did an executive order promoting free speech and uh, religious liberties, at least that's what it's called. You remember he talked about when he was running that uh, if he was elected, he would go ahead and make it so that people would would be able to, um, their religious freedoms would not be invaded in any way. So I don't know. There's mixed emotions about this executive order that he's written, and it's it's a lot different than some of the ones I've, and I have a few. I'm not going to go into each of them in detail because we'd be here forever going through it. But I'm going to just point out a few of the things in his executive order, and you can you can always go out and take a look at it. So the White House released it on May 4th of this year on 217. And the first section actually deals with policy. I'm just going to uh, read the first uh, sentence on here, quote. It says, it shall be the policy of the executive branch to vigorously enforce federal laws, robust protections for religious freedoms. And this kind of bothers me just a little bit because it's almost like he's saying that religious freedoms are protected. But on the other side, he's stating that there's going to be federal enforcement. And the way in which it's written, I'm really not sure where this executive order is coming from. But like I said, you can go out and take a look and and form your own opinion. The second section is respecting religious political speech. And I'll just read the first section here. It says, all executive departments and agencies shall, to the greatest extent practicable and to the extent permitted by law, respect and protect the freedom of persons and organizations to engage in religious and political speech. So his attitude at his some of his uh, campaign rallies wasn't necessarily that. So let's hope that he's changing his perspective on that. So I have a few concerns on on this executive order, but most of it's written in general terms. So it's almost like however this administration decides to apply it, it's open enough for them to be able to do that. Section three is conscious protection with respect to preventive care mandate. And it says, quote, the Secretary Secretary of the Treasury, the Secretary of Labor, and the Secretary of Health and Human Services shall consider ensuring amended regulations consistent with applicable applicable laws to address conscious-based objections to the preventive care mandate. So from my perspective, he's saying that they want to go ahead and revise a lot of the religious freedoms in each of these agencies. And what that really would look like, I just don't know. We'd have to see. But right now, personally, I'm not all that confident from my experience of what he's changed and the impact it's had on people as if they're trying to change with the uh, Affordable Care Act. Make sure that if you have a senator that would would actually – and the uh, ACA, the Affordable Care Act, as some people now know it as Obamacare, please <clears throat> excuse me, call your senator and please make sure that they, you let them know that you actually prefer the Affordable Care Act and you don't want this new one, which will actually take 23 million people off the rolls. The thing that also bothers me is the fact that they're not considering that <clears throat> before Obama, there were 40,000 people a year that were dying because of health care concerns, and he got that down to 20,000. 
if Trump was really interested in, in American citizens, especially Main Street, he would work to eliminate that last 20000 so that we really would have something to celebrate. So those are what he has, and I think the last section of four is the religious liberty guidance. And so I'm not sure. It seems like that's kind of a section just to cover the type of he wanted to make sure he wouldn't get in trouble for like some of those other executive orders. And then he just has some general provisions here. So if you want to go out and take a look at that at out of the um, whitehouse.gov, I'm sure it's out there among other places. And then there was, I found this article, it's also with religious freedoms, which I thought was kind of amazing. And I just want to give you kind of a timeline as to how this actually works. I think I'm going to go from back to front, which means I'm going to start with Trump and then go back in history. So it talks about 217, President Trump considers religious freedom executive order, right? And the statement that that actually comes here, quote, it says, the government shouldn't substantially burden a person or religious organizations of religious exercise. So he's saying that perhaps we should just butt out. I don't know what that means considering how some people have done some really derogatory things, and particularly since he's been in office about when one's ideas does not agree with someone else's. You know, we used to be a society that respected other people's rights to believe however they chose to. So uh, to me, that would be really important for us to be, still become a tolerant society and understanding and respectful of whatever someone else decides to do, a lot of it is, you know, not having to do with harming anyone else. And the next one going back is March 216, I'm sorry, March 26, 215. And it talks about Mike Pence signs Indiana's Religious Freedom Restoration Act, okay? And what it says, a little a, a blurb here, what it says for him says, cities are citing the Supreme Court's decision in the Hobby Lobby case, which please, you know, I have a problem with because if somebody wants uh, birth control, then they should be able to get it. And if that's part of their, their health plan, they should still be able to get it. It's not somebody else dictating how somebody else lies. A life goes, but as we know with Hobby Lobby, it can go that way. It says, then Governor Mike Pence said Indiana needed its own version of the federal law to ensure that religious liberty is fully protected under Indiana law. And by the way, just as you know, in most cases, federal law simply trumps state law. And that's why, like I said, insurance companies love going to federal court because they know that they have a better chance in getting what they want to accomplish there. So the next thing about that was challenging the religious freedom was, of course, the uh, Hobby Lobby I was just talking about. And it says, June 30th, 2014, Supreme Court upholds religious challenge to the Affordable Care Act. And it says, quote, a divided Supreme Court ruled that closely held corporations can decide for religious reasons, what's the word not, the word is not, to include contraceptive coverage in health care insurance plans offered to employees. And to me, this is kind of like going down the rabbit hole because once a company can decide, well, I don't want to do prescription, that's not mine, perhaps another company will say, well, we don't want to pay for physical therapy now because we're paying out too much and it's just against 
you know, we just don't want to do it. So we should have that right too. So where does it stop when someone decides what they will and will not do? I can say one thing. The person that loses is always the insured. And from my perspective, that's the reason why we have to go back to when insurance companies paid out to their insurers, and their insurers ended up paying for medical uh, bills because when it's in the hands of the insurance company, personally, I don't necessarily believe that they'll have the insurance interested hearts. Now, from my own experience, I've found healthcare insurance companies a bit more graceful in being able to help and work with you than auto insurance companies. Um, I'm sure there's probably a few of you out there that could call in and tell me a few stories where that's the opposite. The main thing from my perspective is that people need to be able to choose how they want to do it, and insurance companies are not there to decide that they're supposed to be there to help you in case you have an emergency and you have an agreement with them that they're willing to pay. All right, before that one, we're going to go back to actually February 21st, 2006, It says the Supreme Court upholds Religious Freedom Restoration Act at the federal level, okay? It says the court said that small religious sects could continue to import a, ooh, I don't know about that, hallucinistic tea used in religious ceremonies, okay? The tea contains a drug prohibited by federal law, okay? So they actually upheld at the federal level that that's not a good thing. So we'll go back to June 25th, 1997, and that's when the Supreme Court rules that Religious Freedom Restoration Act doesn't apply to states. And that's interesting. It says, in a case involving the Archbishop of San Antonio dispute with local zoning authorities over a church expansion, the Supreme Court ruled 6-3 that the Religious Freedom Restoration Act it's unconstitutional as applied to states, okay? So the main point, there's two more here I'll do real quick. But the main point I wanted to, to let you know about is religious freedoms, for some reason, seems to be something we're constantly monitoring and watching out for. In 1993, President Bill Clinton, Clinton signed a new law, and that was he was the one who actually instituted the Religious Freedom Restoration Act of 1993, and it reestablished a standard that better protects all Americans of all faiths in the exercise of their religion. So that sounds like that would be something that was actually pretty close to normality. And the last one that I have here was actually, I guess it was in April 17, it was April 17, 1990. And it was the Supreme Court changes the standard for the First Amendment's guaranteed of the free exercise of religion. Okay, so it sounds like we've all had, we've had in our union a lot to say about religion and the way in which we're going. I don't see this changing in the future, and particularly depending on what our current president decides to do uh, with this executive order. But I was reading online, and it sounds like several people are already going to challenge it, so... You know, he hasn't been doing well in the courts for challenges, so we'll we'll see how that works out. And the last one I want to mention, just a couple things here. This one came from The Hill. It says Trump's religious freedoms executive orders can be successful. So they're, they're holding out hope that he'll actually be able to get this done. 
and it's a and it's a good article to go out there and take a look at too. But it basically is just talking about um, see, the executive order has four primary sections. First, it includes broad language declaring. It's definitely too broad for me. It needs to, in my opinion, it needs to be a lot more specific so that it doesn't cause a lot of confusion. And I'm sure they actually try to keep it open so that they could be inclusive in as many things as, as possible for the people that they actually designed this executive order for. But frankly, when I think of, and I'm not a president, I'm not even close to being president, but when I think of executive orders, I think about not just the, the, the community in which it's working to help, you also have to consider other communities and their impact on them. And I'm not sure, in my opinion, that executive order does that. But there were four sections they were talking about. First one includes broad language declaring that the policy of the executive branch is to vigorously enforce federal laws, which personally is a little nerve-wracking to me, to vigorously. You know what he's done with immigration if he's thinking how many how many different locations can he or people can he go after to vigorously? How many people does he have? He think we have out there to enforce these things. So I don't know, but anyway, you can go out and you can take a look and and see what you want to uh, or what you want to view on that. But for example, for so you, the bottom line is you do have religious freedom, and no one can tell you how to worship unless perhaps you're using some of that hallucinogenic, uh, hallucinogenic maybe that might be a problem. But just, you know, other things that don't require things that are against the law uh, sounds like you're going to be in a good place. Section 12 of Article 1 of Washington State's Constitution is about special privileges and immunities prohibited, so you can't get them. It says, quote, no law shall be passed granting to any citizen, class of citizen, or corporation other than municipal privileges or immunities, which upon the same terms shall not equally belong to all citizens or corporations. So, in my opinion, that's saying things should be fair, equal. And another example I found from the legal dictionary, it basically states, it says that uh, this Constitution places the citizens of each state on an equal basis with citizens of other states in respect to advantages resulting from citizenship in those states and citizens in the United States. So they're trying to keep it a fair playing field, at least our Constitution is anyway, for every state in our union. And to me this is important because you don't have everyone in every um, state willing to participate or help their citizens in the same way. And so we have to have, if we're going to be a, a union, uh, a union of states, there has to be some balance between the states. I mean, there certainly are definitely differences geographically in the way in which a lot of things are done. But at the same time, we as citizens have all the same rights. Um, and same thing with corporations, although now they, they want to say that corporations are people. But from my perspective, it's not corporations are people. People are people. Corporations are building with people in them that hopefully do the right things for their employees, like um, their ERISA program. They don't have a lot of fine print. If their employees uh, get sick and they've been paying in to their insurance plan through their company, then they should be paid. By the way, if you don't know 
you should try to figure out whether your insurance company, your employer is your insurance company, or if your insurance company is another company, because that's very important. And don't be deceived. The decisions typically come back to your companies. So that's, that's really important to know. Okay, let's go to the next section here. Section 13 of Article 1 of Washington State Constitution states, quote, The privilege of the writ of habeas corpus shall not be suspended unless, in case of rebellion or invasion, the public safety requires it. How many terms have we heard about habeas corpus? And that's not the easiest way to understand it. So I found another simpler one here. And it's from Google, and it says, quote, A writ requiring a person under arrest to be brought before a judge or into the court grounds as shown for their detention. The legal right to apply for habeas corpus. And that's really important to know that if you are um, handcuffed and taken away, you do have a right to be able to go in and and uh, be, come before a judge and, and state your case. It would be really hard if you were just kind of put away and, and not being able to come out and and figure out what was going on. So thank goodness we do have rights here that have to be followed. Otherwise, you know, you hear these things happen to other people in other countries. And I'm sure that that probably happen here every once in a while too. We just don't hear about it for whatever reason. But at least our constitution, our state constitutions and our federal constitution helps to try to make that not happen with us. Section 15 is convictions, the effects of. And it says, no conviction shall work corruption of blood nor forfeiture of a state. And to me, that was definitely a little bit confusing. So I did find a one that talks about it a little better. And this primarily talks about not only if someone's convicted, and particularly not only of a felony but a misdemeanor, how that can impact the rest of their lives. It can prevent them from getting housing, or it can trigger, um, let's see, what else do they have here? Housing rights, access to loans, family rights, and just they say a whole lot of things can go on with that. And basically what they're saying, I like this this statement, it talks about the misdemeanor portion. It says, misdemeanor convictions can trigger the same legal hindrances known as collateral consequences as felonies, and there are fewer routes to expunging them from your criminal record. Not only can you be convicted, but there are some penalties that are typically paid from having something like that on your record. And that's what they're well, that's what they're calling that. Convictions, the effects of. And by the way, that quote actually came from Maya Rondon, who is part of The Time. So I got that little section from time.com. And by the way, the article is certainly worth reading. And I actually skipped... Section 14, which is excessive bail, fines, and punishment. And Washington State's Article 1 states, excessive bail shall not be required, excessive fines imposed, nor, and unfortunately, that is the Constitution, but unfortunately, it seems like on far too many occasions we hear of these things being done. Excessive bail, where a lot of people of color are put in jail until their trial because they can't afford minimum payments, and why would that be? For me, this like institutional, should I call it racism, or the structure which are set in place, tend to hold down 
people who have few resources. It's almost like they're set in place to harm instead of to help support, except the fine. How are you going to pay that if you have no money, okay? Cruel punishment inflicted. In my opinion, some of the ways in which these uh, prisons are run, especially since a lot of them are paid for profit prisons, don't have the people's interest at heart. I don't know how we got there or who decided that tipping off of the prisoners is a good thing, but I hope that someday in the near future we reconsider us being able to do that because that is just not acceptable, okay? It should be within the, the ability of the persons to pay. And we're talking about people who only crime was not a violent crime. It might have been that their um, license actually was not, had expired or or something along those lines. And that happens to a lot of people who don't have a lot of money because when their, their license comes due or the, their insurance comes due, they don't currently have the money. And then what happens, especially with auto insurance? Then they get put in a high uh, pool where the cost is so much higher than it should have been in the first place. So to me, it's almost like a vicious cycle in a lot of our institutional structures that are set up not to help people but to harm them, to keep them in the cycle. You know, when we, we really need to learn that lifting people out of harm's way and lifting them up is more important than making it so that people are distressed and discouraged. Um, I saw an article where this 12-year-old girl, actually it was on TV, I believe it was CNN, where this 12-year-old girl was shoplifting to get her little sister a pair of shoes. By the way, this police officer, I guess this was first week um, on the job, he took her home, he bought them some food because they were hungry, and he actually got her connected into the community so that they weren't actually facing so many hardships. And on top of that, it helped the 12-year-old learn how to give. She wanted to start sharing and giving. And it just transitioned the road that she had been on just by a little support. And that's what most people just need is a little support. They don't need a lot. You know, just sometimes putting people on the path that lifts them up is enough for most. So from my perspective on Section 14, excessive bail, fines, and punishment, we need to break this cycle. We need jobs for people. Most of these people, what if they had jobs? What if they had education? All these cuts, what are these cuts doing? Are they helping people? No, they're not helping people. They're hurting people. And who is winning? To me, I'm just appalled that so many people on Wall Street are given chances beyond belief. In fact, very few white-collar crimes are still prosecuted. But those living in poverty and those hurting, what happens to them? And there are people who are there to help, and I know they're doing the best they can. But if you can help, please help, because there's far too many people out there who are struggling. And I personally believe it's the way in which uh, our government is, is starting to be run. Instead of being run from the bottom up, where everyone lifts up, like they say, it's being from the top down. And basically, who gets the contracts from the government? Do you see them giving them to little um, small businesses 
No. Do they break out those major contracts? No. Have you looked around your community? Are you seeing the same contractors building the same apartment complex? And for, and particularly for people of, uh, of uh, people that are at poverty level, you don't see that being spread out by contractors or teaching new or teaching um, people who need those skills and would be able to profit from having those skills. No, we don't see that. The only thing we see are major contracts still going to the same people they've always gone to and supporting Wall Street. But as you can see, I have a lot of opinions on quite a few of those things. So anyway, that's Section 14, Excessive Bail, Fines, and Punishments. So you can say, if you're ever in that position, I know my rights, these are excessive, these are against the laws. And that's the reason why we're actually going through all of these articles, because who usually doesn't know their rights in poverty or poor people or people who rarely have the opportunity, and hopefully you don't either have the opportunity to have to have this information. But the key is it's important to know what your rights are because sometimes people don't necessarily tell you what they are. So you've got to be able to go and say, okay, well, I need to know what's in my best interest and protect yourself. Today, a blast from the past is going to be on you and self-identity when disabled because many disabled not only face that, but they face a lot of the hurdles, the hurdles we're talking about in the Constitution. So here's your blast from the past. The transition to disability can be difficult both in body and mind. Perhaps the perception of what that really means needs to change. Everyone has specific, unique skills. These characteristics as we go through life change. By embracing yourself at all times, regardless of what life throws your way, can make the journey more fulfilling. And this equation, it really is about you taking care of and loving yourself. Do not let labels or others undermine destiny. Thank you for joining me, Estra, this August 24th, 2013, for Talking About You with Estra on Block Talk Radio and Estra's TV, currently featured on YouTube under Estra's blog. Make sure not to be diverted to another link. My official website is E-S-T-R-A, pronounced Estra. So go to Estra's Blog Tips on Blogger for a listing of all legitimate links. This is your car accident show sharing information and concerns that help you, family, friends, and community from an injured person's perspective, meaning the person hurt in a traffic collision. Today's topic will be on you and self-identity when disabled. Societal cues are not always an accurate point of view when looking at a person with disabilities. Everyone wants many of the same things and seeks to create the life desired. Disabled people have to persevere through perceptions developed from a lack of understanding and knowledge. Therefore, identity must come from internal cues developed from a positive fortitude developed from within. Content of character is built upon experiences that help mold and shape one's self-identity. Therefore, it is important to process information in ways that create personalized, healthy growth. Also on our program today, personal injury in the news, providing comments on events 
Holidays of the Coming Week, my commentary on you and self-identity when disabled, and last but not least, discussion on articles related to our topic. Self-identity develops through trusting yourself. Experiences, whether good or bad, can be used to move forward towards personal goals and dreams. You have a choice to accept or reject any concepts, ideas, or opinions that come your way. Personally decide what makes up you. In this program, your challenge is dealing with insurance companies, self-insured employers, and coping with everyday situations from being involved in a car accident or up for discussion. I know firsthand your situation. I have dealt with insurance companies such as USAA, Geico, PIMCO, Progressive, Farmers, Allstate, Premier Blue Cross, United Healthcare, Medicare, LifeWay's Assurance Company, Social Security, and employer S&C Laverman Constructors, previously known as Enron. In my opinion, I have experienced good faith from some listed above and bad faith practices from a few. This is why it's so important to research a company before making a commitment with them. Dial 718-766-4385 to share your comments on self-identity when disabled today. Again, that's 718-766-4385. The after-show number has changed. Place your comments at Talking About You with Estra on Facebook or tweet at Estra's Radio Show on Twitter. If watching on YouTube, make sure to leave a comment. Tune in every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on Block Talk Radio or view every Wednesday on Estra's TV, YouTube user Estra's blog. We are coming to you from Seattle, Washington. Other notable mentions this week include Better Outcome at Atlanta, Georgia Elementary School. This week, another gun tragedy was missed because of the care and compassion of a single bookkeeper, Antoinette Tuff, with the help of a police dispatcher. Antoinette's concern extended beyond herself to students, faculty, and even the shooter. Perhaps if more of us could seek to understand the position of others, even those with sinister agendas, then maybe before getting to these levels of desperation of wanting to hurt anyone, including innocent children, Our society can turn away from such deviance by giving those who are lost what they need, including acceptance and guidance. In my opinion, the greed factor in our society leaves too many people with losses, lack, and a great deal of hurt. When we choose not to leave people behind with wages below the average person's cost of living, creating unacceptable levels of suffering, our society will have turned the page to supporting and caring for one another. Thank you, Antoinette Tuff, for saving the precious lives of others, and I hope you triumph beautifully over the personal bad news received that day. Another notable mention is the 50th anniversary for the Civil Rights Movement's March on Washington, D.C. In fact, make sure to be a part of the anniversary celebrations there today of where we have come this far and a plan of where we need to head in the future. It is each one of us that makes a difference in how we treat each other and that we're fair and respectful. Last is the Women's Equality Day, which is August 26th. Today in society, women still are not getting equal equal pay for the same work. Women earn approximately 77 cents on the dollar, which is tragic. There's so much that needs to be done, not just women, but also many segments of our society in order for it to be an equal playing field. So do all that you can and recognize the efforts of women on August 26th. 
Now, for our personal injury in the news this week. These are my views on current events and have no association with the writers of the articles. From time to time, I'll be stopping to take a moment to comment on a section. Our first personal injury in the news comes from Washington.CBSLocal.com. And the title of the article is Five Car Crash Causes Major Delays on I-270. One can always breathe a sigh of relief when everyone lives after a car accident. Ambulances, armored trucks, buses, or trains, there is no way to predict it or the outcome. Therefore, remember each time you get behind the wheel, it is not routine. Each drive to a destination is unique, and the unexpected can happen at any moment. Take your time and drive safely. Our second personal injury in the news comes from Fox43.com, and the title of the article is Lancaster Man Dies in Crash. The number of individuals running into poles is amazing, losing control perhaps while turning, being distracted, or some unforeseen event can quickly lead to tragic consequences. There are local laws for the placement of these poles. Perhaps this should be revisited in the future. From my reading of collisions, these seem to be some of the deadliest accidents. So keep an eye out for them and do your best to miss them. Now for my commentary on you and self-identity when disabled. What do you see when looking into the mirror after an injury? Is it the pain and suffering experienced from the trauma of a car accident? A loss of self-esteem because no longer able to physically or mentally function as previously done? I would, however, challenge you to take another look. To see the champion who makes a decision to overcome barriers and obstacles, realizing whatever may cross your path, it will take courage and strength to move through it, yet... The time and effort will transform your life in ways unimaginable. The content of character developed which transforms thinking and action not only for your life, but will influence now your family and friends, community, and maybe even perhaps the world. Struggles can enhance the quality of life. Few people enjoy them, but when brought into one's path, the decision to take them on by gaining understanding, educating, advocating, staying determined, and not giving up until getting back on track is very rewarding. But how do you handle the rude, derogatory remarks? Where do you place those job rejections and perceptions of being less qualified? The individuals who would rather not be around you because you don't look like them. In my opinion, you place all these negative vibes back where they belong, on the people who actually have the misunderstanding of who you are and what you stand for. There is no reason for you to carry their burden. If you educate them, great, do so. However, your identity comes from you. It's your internal mirror. Past history and perceptions developed over time shape many life views. However, being injured in a car accident and therefore becoming disabled does not change who you are. It adds experience and wisdom. It can and make you a better person by understanding the road Many others have traveled before you and those who have yet to come. Evaluate where you are getting your self-identity from. Is it disability? Many people choose not to let it hold them back. And so can you. Is it treatment by others? There are many people who realize everyone is the same and have different skill sets. These are the great people to associate with because they lift you up and not down. Join them in being that type of person. 
Unfortunately, preconceived notions regarding disability are slowly changing. Self-identity comes from internal cues, yet the injured experience outside influences which require filtering through a personal lens. You are wonderful, I know because you are listening or watching this video. An open heart and mind can always learn in life and become what it's intended to be. Continue to reach for your goals and dreams. You will make it if you try, or at least end up in a place more wonderful than you could have imagined. Never give up and know a positive self-identity comes from you. And that is so true. Uh, dealing with a disability is a process. There's so many things that come your way, some things that you did before, perhaps you're not still able to do. Maybe you had a limb that's been missing that um, you wish was still there. There's so many different things that happen to people because of trauma. But the key is to remember that you can still move forward. Uh, whatever you have, work with it and make the best life you can. Don't be uh, stopped by anybody, and particularly harassment and intimidation or bullying. Currently, I'm not sure if you know that um, this new Trump budget actually has a lot of cuts to Medicare and Medicaid. They're coming after Social Security. They want to privatize it and give it to Wall Street. Why would we give anything more to Wall Street is my question. So there's a lot of things going on, and it's probably good if you'll get involved and, and uh, say no. I don't want Social Security privatized. No, Medicare has been cut down enough. Most people aren't even making enough wages or having enough money to even live right now. So why in the world would they actually want to do harm to people who are actually suffering enough? I don't know. Uh, other than greed, I have no answers for some of the actions of others. But regardless of that, if you're facing a new disability, Hold on, life will get better. You'll be able to understand your condition and you'll learn ways to be able to uh, get through the hardest times and be accepting as to who, where you are and, and keep fighting. Don't ever give up. Never give up, no matter what you're facing. This is so important just to know that life does change on a dime and just as a disability has come your way, something else can come your way just as quickly and it doesn't have to be negative. So... Just keep your hope your hope up and never give up. And I know sometimes you might get discouraged, but just hold on because there is, there is going to be a brighter day the next day. In a 217 Car Accident Weekly Planner, there needs to be places where you can write your own notes, save information that uh, you need to retrieve at a later date, and be able to, to be able to document things that are important to your case. And this is the reason why I designed 217 Car Accident Weekly Planner with an injured person in mind. So let's talk about what you, as an injured person, would find helpful in a Car Accident Weekly Planner. And we'll go over what I have in this planner to be helpful. I personally know how difficult life can be after being involved in a traffic collision. In most cases, the time, energy, recovery, and money required makes this journey difficult. And therefore, having wisdom and knowledge at your disposal can alleviate pain, suffering, and prepare you for the challenges from auto insurance, employers, long-term disability insurance, Social Security, attorneys, or anyone else who comes along 
on your journey. When in a car wreck, focusing on recovery and directing how life moves forward becomes important. There will be challenges, yet they can be overcome with creativity, hopefulness, determination, and rest. Find a hobby or join me as an advocate to improve the lives of people injured by supporting insured civil rights legislation to be passed by Congress. Take care of yourself and remember that I am here for you. My website at estruscarwreckhelp.com You'll find legitimate links here and answers. Best recovery to you, Estra. And I really mean that, too. I mean, if you have been in a car accident and you're dealing with auto insurance companies or employer risk program or Social Security disability or any kind of insurance, long-term, short-term, where you feel that you want to take up the cause, please join me. Just send me uh, hashtag treat me right on Twitter. Let me know that you want to uh, participate and help make this change, and particularly with insurance civil rights legislation. It really matters that insurers have equal rights as insurance companies because until that happens, there won't be change and there'll be injustice and problems that occur. And because it's so lopsided with insurance companies having the resources, the political, lobbyists, all of those things, and most people who are coming up against them have nothing. In fact, sometimes they don't even have enough support in their state because maybe the people in their state are getting paid off by lobbyists. You just never know. But the key is when the millions of us unite and decide no more of this, we've had it, we'll make that change. We'll get insurance civil rights legislation passed, which means that you should be able to receive the premium or the actual settlement and benefits that you actually paid premiums for. So that's so important. So remember, hashtag treat me right. You can also do it on Talking About You with Estra Facebook. Well, I hope you enjoyed learning a little bit more about state constitutional basics because they are for everyone. They were actually written for you. And the more we know about it and the more we can be an advocate for ourselves, the better things will happen in our lives, especially after being involved in a car accident. Did you enjoy the format for talking about you with Estra today? Let me know at Estra's Radio Show on Twitter or talking about you with Estra on Facebook. The more we know about our rights concerning a car accident, the better off the injured will be. Thanks for your participation today in the program. Until next week, drive safe, be hopeful, and help each other. This is Estra, your car accident advocate in Seattle, Washington, USA. When you need me, I'll be here at estrascarwreckhelp.com. Again, that website is estracarwreckhelp.com. That's one full word. I hope to hear from you soon.